on the Lone Star Outdoor Show with Ham right there. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here today as we are talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies. And there's no place I'd rather be than right here doing just that with you fine folks. So thanks for making it a point to spend a little part of your week with me. I do appreciate it. We've got a good one lined up for you today. So you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos, the one granddaddy passed down years ago. And uh, if you're like me, <laughs> you're looking forward to adding the next coat of mud to that thing as waterfowl season is fast approaching. And I guarantee you, I didn't clean mine since last season. I think it just adds character, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, that green Stanley thermos, you know which one I'm talking about. Maybe you spiked it with some of granddaddy's old cough syrup. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> Either way, pour yourself another cup because we are ready to rock and roll. And off the top, uh, interesting situation I had to deal with on my small 25-acre archery-only lease this past week. Uh, so interacting with landowners and pet owners, in this case, can be a dicey proposition at best. So, how did I deal with these dogs that kept showing up on my game camera? Uh, I will tell you, coming up here momentarily. And then, we will be joined in studio by singer, songwriter, and avid waterfowler, Alex Bellin. He'll bring his guitar, and so we'll hear some brand new tunes as well as talk some public land duck hunting. Also, you might be surprised to find out which species of duck is... Alex's favorite to eat. Certainly isn't mine, I'll tell you that, right now. But I'm sure we've both got plenty of funny anecdotes that we could share on the waterfowling front, and we will do so today. So certainly looking forward to spending a good amount of time with Alex, as he is one of my favorite singer-songwriters coming up on the music scene, the real country music scene. None of that Nashville hip-hop bro country crap they're trying to pawn off his country music. No, no. That is insulting, to be honest, that that they're trying to pawn that off as country music and so many people consume it. It's just, I don't understand it, y'all. Whatever happened to writing a song and telling a story? Thank God for folks like Alex who are still trying to keep that tradition alive and well and doing a damn good job at it. Um, so that's what's on the docket for today. couple other things to mention. Don't forget that we have got a First Light Muck Boot giveaway going on right now. We're giving away three pairs of First Light Muck Boots. And I will actually be taking a pair of these to Newfoundland with me on a moose hunt next week. And I want to make sure that three of y'all get set up with a pair as well. So to enter, head over to my Instagram page or Facebook page, and there you will find details on how to enter the First Light Muck Boots promotion. Uh, also, I know that many of you don't dabble in social media, and I'm cool with that. That's great. Some days I wish that I didn't as well. Um, but I've got a giveaway for you as well, and I've got a Lone Star Beer branded Lone Star Outdoor Show shirt and a First Light Cypher Lone Star Outdoor Show cap. I'll give both of these away to today's winner. All you need to do is email the word Lone Star. Hey, that's two words. <laughs> 
Email Lone Star to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. You'll be entered into this week's giveaway. And last thing to mention here, don't forget to keep sending in your best hunting, fishing, or outdoor photos to that same email address, Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Better yet, post them on my Facebook page or tag me on Instagram using LSOS Photo Contest because our 12 monthly winners from 2019 will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So another great grand prize hunt package brought to you by Coons Canyon Ranch. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, a positive interaction for a change pertaining to a deer hunting property that I lease and a neighbor. I'll tell you about it next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey y'all, spring is here, and that means a lot of things, but specifically, your lawn is about to become your own worst nightmare. That's why I use JC's Landscaping. They do everything from lawn and landscape maintenance to fertilization and weed control. New premium sod installations. Hey, you need a French drain? I had to have them put in a French drain a couple years ago. They do that too. Landscaping updates, makeovers, stone borders, patios, and much more. Serving the North Dallas and surrounding areas, you can find them at jclandscapingllc.com and tell them cable sent you. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffair for Hoffair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffair's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. I'm drinking champagne and feeling no pain till early morning. Dining and dancing with every pretty girl I can find And having a flame There's a classic from Cal Smith, drinking champagne, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you today. Thanks for dropping by. Certainly appreciate you. Hope everyone's having a great week. I know I certainly am as uh, we're enjoying what feels like the 70th day of August here in North Texas. <laughs> Temperatures 95 degrees in early October, and it's been that way since August. Uh, but I did see on the forecast that we're supposed to get a reprieve this week. Temperatures are actually going to be in the 50s. Wow. Uh, I've been very envious of all you folks up north, uh, even like where I was in Montana just two weeks ago. is covered in snow right now. So thank God that the fall heat wave appears to be coming to an end because I'm certainly ready to climb a tree uh, but I'm not doing it when it's 95 degrees outside that is for sure just go dove hunting that's what I did last weekend uh during the archery opener and really didn't have anything on camera to warrant sitting there anyway Uh, so Henry and I went and I shot at one dove yep that's how our hunt went it was pretty paltry but uh, we did have fun shooting old beer cans And I even let him shoot a glass bottle, which if you remember being a little boy, there was nothing cooler or more fun than watching a BB spiderweb a piece of glass, right? Now, we did pick up all the trash, and uh, Henry also picked up all of these shotgun shells from whatever jerk-offs were hunting there prior to us, as there was literally, 
I don't know, maybe a case of shells on the ground. Um, and I look over and he's picking them up and I'm like, that message of leave it better than you found it is already resonating with a six-year-old. So I was very proud of him and uh, let him have an extra donut on the way home for his efforts. Um, something I want to discuss right now, however, relates to dealing with issues on property that you lease. And uh, I've got a 25-acre place in Collin County that I pay a pretty penny for. And I do that. Because, number one, I can write it off because I call this a job. And, number two, Collin County here in North Texas has seen three 220-inch-plus bucks killed in the last four years. And if you aren't aware of of Collin, uh, Dallas, and Rockwall counties, um, these three counties in the North Texas area didn't have archery or really any deer season to speak of from the 70s until I think it was 2012. Um, when it opened up and it's archery only so these bucks are having a better chance to reach maturity and there just aren't as many getting killed you know you up the degree of difficulty by making it archery only and it's just like Grayson County um, there on the Texas Oklahoma border uh, same deal Um, also great genetics here in the area so that being said uh, back in I think it was late July I started getting pictures of some dogs on my trail camera. And I'm like, eh, it's not a big deal. It's July. Um, Nothing was really coming to the feeder anyway. It's so green. There's tons of food out there on the landscape. So I I was just like, maybe this will sort itself out. Well, they're gone for a few weeks. Then they show back up. And then I put out, um, actually went and hung a tree stand last weekend. Uh, with my friend Chad Jones. He shot the 235-inch-plus monster last year in Collin County. And so I was picking his brain on on how he would hunt a small property. So he came and, anyway, we made a mock scrape, and we set out some scented uh, feed, attractant. Next thing I know, literally six hours later, these three labs with callers are eating that feed, and I'm getting live pictures sent from my stealth cam to my cell phone. So... I'm monitoring this. I'm just like, goodness gracious, this is 25 acres. I have got to get these dogs out of here. I can't have them running off the the does. I do have does that pretty much live on the property. It's got a lot of thick brush on it. Um, but they're not going to want to be around if these dogs are harassing them. And in no way am I saying this is the dog's fault or that these labs weren't just doing what Belle would do if she was, you know, left unfenced. They're just roaming around. Um, but I can't have it on the lease. So I tell my landowner, you know, I send him the picture. I was like, hey, you know, this has to stop. Um, it's going to be an issue if it continues throughout deer season. And he's like, yeah, I think I know whose house those dogs are coming from. And so I surmised that I needed to go over there and have a discussion with the dog's owners. But first, I did call the Collin County Game Warden, not because I was trying to get them a citation or anything like that. I was asking for advice. I'm looking for insight on how he would handle the situation. And while he wasn't at all rude, I mean, he was very nice and we had a great conversation. The game warden basically told me there was nothing he could do, even if the dogs continued to come over there every day. Like, it would be a a city ordinance leash law situation and that I would probably have to get the city involved if if the uh, issue continued. Um, But 
he was very honest and said, I, I think that they're probably gonna, just going to tell you to F off. Like He said he'd seen it many times before, and that's generally the outcome. And usually the problem persists. So I'm thinking, oh, this sucks. You know what? I don't want to have to get the city involved and cause a big stink. But at the same time, I've invested all this money in this property. I just can't have these labs on it during deer season, specifically. Like, come on, people. Just keep your pets fenced in, right? They're not allowed to just roam. But, you know, I I never once considered killing these animals. and, And I did put this out on Instagram. And a lot of folks were like, Shoot, shovel, shut up, uh, poison them, trap them, take them to the pound. I mean, yeah, it never crossed my mind to kill them. And uh, and the game warden did tell me like that's illegal anyway. Like you, that's a felony. You'll go to jail if you kill someone's pet. And I was like, I found that interesting. I thought you probably could just shoot them if they were on your property. However, I think that that is only true if they are actively posing a threat to you, your family, or you know, livestock, whatever. Um, so, and that's especially true. He even mentioned this in, in urban areas like Collin County, uh, that that's especially frowned on. Um, now in rural communities, he says it, it happens very frequently. People's dogs get shot when they cross fence lines here with, you know, a big city, a more liberal mindset, not a good idea. But like I said, these dogs have collars. I have a lab. I was never going to kill them. I just want the situation resolved. So I'm like, okay, well, this sucks. I'm going to go to this landowner, and they're going to they're gonna tell me to hug a root. So I go over there, and I take the twins with me intentionally, Frankie and Stella, my little girls, just to m- make myself not seem like a threat when I'm driving up to someone's house that I have you know, no idea uh, whether or not they're, you know, if banjos are going to be playing when I'm walking up there. Uh, but I drive up to the house, and sure enough, the three dogs I have on camera, all two two black labs and a yellow lab, run up to the gate and are just barking, you know, at the truck. And I can see vehicles parked in the driveway. It looks like someone's home. So I just stand there at the truck while these dogs are barking hysterically. And they they seem like, I mean, nice dogs. Probably could have petted them. I didn't try to, but uh, they weren't being aggressive. They are just barking. So I'm just standing there, and finally uh, this lady walks out, middle-aged lady. And uh, she's, you know, hey, can I help you? What are you doing here? And I start to tell her, hey, I leased the property down the road. We've got an issue with your dogs. And she's like, oh, man, I thought my husband fixed the fence. She's like, we didn't even know they were getting out until we saw them coming back in one day. And I was like, yeah, I've got pictures on them basically from late July up until two days ago. And, and I show her all the pictures. And the dogs are there regularly. And guess what? The game warden was wrong. She was extremely apologetic, said that her husband had actually been working on the fence yesterday and that uh, if there was any more problems to please text her or call her. She gave me her phone number. And I later that day even sent her a text saying, hey, I really appreciate how receptive you were to our conversation. She apologized again via text and said, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm really sorry. Anyway, I was very pleased with the outcome of the uh, conversation and hopefully this is the resolution that I was looking for, and we'll see if the dogs show back up. But for now, all is well. And I guess the point is, this interaction kind of restored my faith in humanity a little bit. I've had such crappy situations on previous leases, dealing with landowners, poachers, family members thinking that they can hunt while you're leasing the property, all that kind of stuff. So I was very skeptical that there was going to be a positive outcome. So uh, happy to report that there was. Uh, That segment of the show 
was proudly brought to you by Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. We'll be right back uh, with a special in-studio guest, singer-songwriter and avid waterfowler Alex Bellin joins us next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Because I'm just a country boy Money have I none But I've got silver Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. And I've been hurting, waking up to dreams of holding you. And I've been searching these answers from the harvest moon. But the only feedback from the night sky are pictures and a stack coming back to life. I think I need to Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Fart Club. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well, our longtime presenting sponsors. Thanks to you for being here. It is a treat to be talking outdoors with you. And we're going to do quite a bit of that today. As always, um, singer-songwriter Alex Bellin is here in studio. And we're going to jump right into it with Alex here momentarily. But first, I do want to remind you about Dallas Safari Club. If you're not familiar with DSC, uh, they are the worldwide leader in big game conservation. They routinely put their money where their mouth is. Uh, a lot of groups say they do this, that, and the other for conservation. Eh, if you do a little research, you find out it's not always the case. But it is with DSC. I am a proud member. I'd love for you to check us out because we're passionate about three things. Conservation, education, and protecting hunters' rights. For more information, check us out at biggame.org. Love to have you. And with that being said, uh, let's bring on our in-studio guest for today. I've been listening to his music for probably about a year now. I think it was last fall when you sent me your original EP, Alex. But uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, it is my pleasure to introduce Alex Bellin to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. So did you have a chance to make it out for early teal season? I did not have a chance to make it out for early teal season. Um, I really thought about it, yeah. <laughs> but man, it was. Uh, there was one morning I was going to go, then my buddy couldn't go, and I was thinking about just going on some public land, taking my kayak, and just uh-huh. paddling out and just seeing if I could see anything. But the reports I'd heard were not super, yeah, encouraging. It's always so. hit or miss in North Texas. Like the teal are here one day, you go scout all day, find the teal. And then they're gone the next day, you know, so they're finicky. Like yeah, I've, I've tried many times in early teal season the past couple of years, and I have never found them. Yeah. I always find like a bunch of resident resident mallards or geese, even yeah. geese or even gadwalls. I'm like, why are you here? Yeah, yeah. But never teal. Yeah. So how long have you been duck hunting? I mean, I've been duck hunting for, I think this will be my seventh season. Uh-huh. So not a real long time. Uh, I didn't grow up doing it. Yeah. I, uh didn't really grow up hunting at all. I yeah. always wanted to, but nobody in my family did. I always loved to fish in the outdoors. And then I came to Texas to go to college at TCU. 
in my sophomore year. I went dove hunting once my freshman year, and it was super fun. Yeah. So I bought an 870 before my sophomore year of college, and uh, went dove hunting a couple times, and then got invited out to go duck hunting for the first time. And, uh, man, the first morning, we did not, none of us knew what we were doing. It was a, a big tank and a near Heiko, and I was sitting, like, on the dam, like, no, in, like, a lawn chair, and <laughs> I think I grabbed the wrong hat in the dark. I was wearing, like, a white skateboarding hat that my uh-huh. friend brought. And we shot like three ducks and probably a few birds that were not ducks. No, I know, a few birds I know for a fact were not ducks. Um, and then the next morning, the few of, I mean, not me, but the two other people who really had some experience duck hunting, we mm-hmm. went out, just the three of us, actually got in some cover. And I forget the first time watching them work, watching them come in and then shooting by myself and hearing that bird splash and hit the water. And in that moment, I was like, all right, this is... This is my favorite thing. This is my favorite thing on earth. I'm going to do this as much as I can. Yeah. So you that's that sounds familiar. I think it was about my sophomore year of college. I bought an 870 and my buddies cuz like you I grew up fishing, camping, uh loved the outdoors, but my we never had guns in the house. So about the time I was 19 or 20, my buddies were like, "Hey, bring your dog. We're going duck hunting." And I was like, "My dog doesn't want to go duck hunting. I don't know if I want to go duck hunting." <laughs> Uh, so anyway, you know, I don't know how many tables I had to wait to ground up enough coin to buy an 870, but, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I went and they didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. The dog sure as hell didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. He, he like shivered behind the blind every time we shot, but eventually somebody knocked a duck down and Maverick, he's that dog in that picture behind you there. Um, he died probably three or four years ago, but he, uh, I let him off of his, his leash cause he had to chain him up. Cause he wanted nothing to do with the gunfire. He's trying to run away and I let him off his leash. He went and got the duck and was never gun shy again. So really? And he turned into a good duck dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was rough around the edges. He did. He wasn't professionally trained like bell is you met bell, but mm-hmm. she's a machine. Uh, he was what I would call just a meat dog. And, uh, but always found the ducks. He had a good nose. And if he would have had the training, he, he would have been. You don't hear a lot great. about of older dogs taking to yeah. duck hunting. You know, it's kind of. He was probably only two. But okay. Still so still, been still later than yeah. you yeah. want to. Right. Exactly. But I mean, that, that, that flipped the switch for me. It's like, okay, I love, I love duck hunting now. And, uh, he loved it. And I was like, this is what he was. This is his destiny. You know, now I have mm-hmm. to take him cause he needs to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so you don't. You don't have a dog, huh? No, we don't have a dog. Um, I will say one funny story about not having a dog. Yeah. I always try to invite friends who have dogs, uh-huh. you know, because li- I've got a lot of good spots. And I'm like, I mean, I like to invite friends, period. But especially yeah. if they have a dog, that's that's a nice touch. Um, I, I think I was, I think it was our junior year in college. And we, or maybe it was even, we just got, I got into it really fast. And so uh-huh. there was a guy who worked at the cafeteria who was an old guy who kind of ran it. His name's Frank. And we always talk about hunting. He loved to hunt. And we were uh, we were talking to him about opening day, and he's like, "Y'all got a dog?" He's from East Texas. We're like, "No, we don't have a dog." He's like, "Y'all part of fraternity?" We're like, "Yeah, we are." He's like, "Here's what you do: you got pledges right now." We're like, "Yeah." He's like, "You make one of them pledges, put on some dog ears, and you make him swim out, bring the duck back, bring the bring the duck in his mouth, make him your retriever." I'm like, that "That's is- a great idea." A great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that, but because I don't see what the issue is. Just make one of your pledge swim out and get it. Oh, yeah. I don't, we had, uh, I, I, this is what I heard. I don't know, but, uh, at the fraternity I was a part of, I heard some guys did a pledge skeet shoot where the pledges would lay down on their bellies and you would say, pull. 
and the one at the beginning of the line would run across the yard, and then all of the guys would throw eggs at them. <laughs> <laughs> and they wouldn't have a shirt on. Like, leave welts and stuff. But that's what I heard. I would never be a part of something like yeah, that. Yeah, you've just heard rumors yeah, just heard before your involvement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so you guys don't have a dog. I think people that hunt ducks that don't have dogs are the sickest bastards in all of the hunting realm. Because, for me, like, that's the beauty of... It's half of it, okay? Like, yeah. I don't know if I would go duck hunting. That's what a lot of people I say. I didn't have a dog. So I got to give you guys a lot of credit because that's hardcore. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know if, if I would get as much enjoyment out of it. So that tells me all the guys out there who are waterfowling without dogs are, I mean, that's there's hardcore. I mean, there's some funny stories. Um, for I still love hunting out of a kayak and a canoe. But uh-huh. We got a boat too. But when I was in college and we just hunt public land, I got this kayak and it was like kind of a kayak canoe, 14 feet. Not really big, but I could fit me and one of my other friends. I'm a pretty big dude. Right. So we were tight in there, like decoys, guns, teetering out in the dark, headlamps. You know, my buddy's like, where are we going? I'm like, just keep going. I'll tell you when we're there. And we shot like a ring neck or some, some diver, and it was, you know, crippled out in the water. So I get in the kayak. I'm out chasing it. And I'm like... It's like playing whack-a-mole because it's diving. I'm taking the – and I I had, wasn't sure if I could shoot from the kayak yet if it would flip. Since then, I realized I could. So I didn't bring my gun. Just, just I'm like trying to whack it with the paddle. My friends are just dying laughing in the in the blind as yeah. I'm out there just trying to – I almost just dove in because I was like, you know, reached my whole hand, got it soaking wet to grab this. You got it? I got it, yeah. Oh, man, I would have lost a lot of ducks if it wasn't for the dogs. I'll tell you that. They're uh, a lot of times – a lot better than me. So. Much better. <laughs> you got to learn when you're when you're running out too in waders and water. You can't. I mean, you got to get there quick, but you can't run too fast because you hit a hit an underwater route or something, and next thing you know, your waders yeah. are filling up with water. That first season that I started duck hunting, I we were putting out decoys, and I stepped too far. Water came in over my waders, but I was like, "No, I'm still hunting," and it was cold. It was cold. And after that, I was like laid up on the couch for two days with uh, some kind of fever from. Yep. <laughs> you know, just I think mo- cold and wet and not taking care of myself. I think most duck hunters get a cold flu around the duck hunting flu around mid November, yeah, December. I don't think I've gone a duck season without getting sick yet. Yeah, that's just part of the deal. game. And then and you're sleep deprived, so that doesn't yeah. help your immune system. You know, it's just yeah. It's the best one is since I, I play music, it'll probably happen this year too. I've got a gig on November eighth at Mama Tried in Deep Ellum. Uh-huh. Last year I had a gig on I can't remember what opening day was, but Friday night in Gun Barrel City, which is like southeast of oh yeah of Dallas. You're playing at like some town thing they had there, and I was gonna hunt like west of Fort Worth, so I get home at like. 1.32 a.m. from the gig, unload my music stuff. My roommate, who we hunt together, his name's Aaron, he had the boat ready. We got in the boat, and we went straight to the ramp. No sleep, just gig, yeah. gig, because I can't sleep though the night before oh, duck season yeah. anyways. I couldn't fall asleep no, like for the dove opener this year. Yeah. I was so jacked up. Yeah. And so I was like, might as well play a gig. Yeah. And so played it. Went straight. You know, your adrenaline pumps a ton during, when I, at least in my, mine does when I play music. Uh-huh. And it's hard, a lot of times it's hard for me to go to sleep just for a couple of, even though I'm tired from doing it, my, it's kind of like Friday night lights times like 10 or something. Right. So my adrenaline's pumping. And then obviously we go out opening day. I've been scouting all week. I got the best hole. We limited out, me and my buddy, in like 40 minutes. Probably could have limited out in 10 minutes if we shot well, but it's opening day. So yeah. you're still getting used to it. So my adrenaline's pumping. We get out there, adrenaline's pumping. 
three hours before shooting light, cooking breakfast, adrenaline's pumping, ducks come in, adrenaline's pumping, shoot our limit, adrenaline's pumping, get back to the boat ramp, adrenaline starts to fade a little bit. And on the way home, you're passed out. And on the way home, I'm just like passed out. And like my body is just, I get home, my body's like, help me unload this crap. And I'm like having trouble bringing myself out of the. That's the that's the worst. <laughs> then it's time to clean birds. Oh, like yeah. You're, you're just exhausted. But yeah, yeah you got to do it. Um, I know you actually like eating duck, though. A lot I of do. Don't I? Uh, I personally enjoy it, but it's one of those things. I like to like during football season on Sundays. If I'm in town, I like to have people over mm-hmm. and cook whatever. You know, have a feast, a, a smorgasbord of wild game. Yeah, duck usually doesn't make the menu because nobody wants to eat it. Yeah. Well, I have found that I love to cook. I, want, tri- I mean, I've learned this through trial and error. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be a chef for a little while and uh-huh. worked in college, and I was like, man, this isn't the job for me. But I've always loved to cook. Yeah, me too. And so I think there's a lot of misconceptions, just about a lot of wild game in general. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the best game I've ever had has been wild hog, and I hear people say all the time, I don't shoot hogs, or I don't eat hogs, I shoot them. And Obviously, you don't want to eat the real big ones, but little hogs are some of the tastiest meat ever. And duck, too. Even some of the ducks that people say are not very good – I end up shooting a lot of ringnecks, just the places where I hunt. Those, I like, those people are onto something. I'm not going to lie. And <laughs> so you probably are good. in agreement that you don't like ringnecks, but I have done it. But if I shoot them, they still get in, go into like the uh, you the know, gumbo pot. Exactly. Or, and yeah. they're good in gumbo. I love to make gumbo. But there's just, at least around here, the ringnecks eat. What, what determines a duck's flavor is what it eats. Mm-hmm. And mallards can eat pretty nasty, and ringnecks can eat pretty clean. So it all kind of depends on what they've been eating. And I did a blind taste test with a gadwall, a ringneck, and a mallard. I like to let my birds age a little bit, which also takes out some of the funkiness. Uh I'll tell you how I do that later. But blind taste test, salt, pepper, cook a medium rare. That's the first thing. Absolutely. If you cook it well done, it's going to taste like... Uh, It's going to be chewy. Livery shoe leather. Let me serve you this old shoe up. That kind of tastes like liver. So no one's going to like that. Medium rare, salt, pepper, sliced, blind taste test, ringneck one out of all three. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Huh. It has a very strong taste, kind of meaty, but it's not really fishy or ducky, which is... Yeah. Or uh, So what I do is a lot of people like soak them, soak their duck breast or whatever. I'm not about that because partially I want to get a crust mm-hmm. when I grill them or sear them. So what I do is I take my the, the duck breast, and I also keep the duck legs on the big birds like mallards or pintails oh, yeah. and save That's those good. for gumbo. Yeah. Anything slow braised, they're really good. But I take the duck breast, put them in a Tupperware container on like a... Uh, she, like a uh, uh, oven rack, so they're kind of elevated. Yeah. Seal it, put it in the fridge for like three, four days. And a lot of the blood that is where the kind of foul flavors are will drain out. There'll be like an, an inch of blood in this if you've got 12 ducks. I mean, a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. Drain that out. The ducks, it's almost like wet aging, basically. Right. Any, right. any, any meat's going to taste better if you yeah. age it. And so it's more tender. It has less moisture, a lot less funky flavor. You put salt and pepper on it, grill it medium rare or, or rare, slice it. I mean, it kind of has its own thing, but it tastes a lot like steak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love medium rare uh, duck, grilled, seared, mm-hmm. whatever. Have you ever uh, noticed that widgeon want to hang out in the same place as ringnecks? Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. And it's weird because widgeon are puddle ducks. Ringnecks are diving ducks. But uh, in, in, have you heard people call them robbers, widgeon? I, no, I haven't. Duck, I was like, I was hunting with some guides a long time ago, and they were like, "Yeah, we're, we got a bunch of robbers coming." I was like, "What's a robber?" And they're like, "Widgeon." And I was like, "Oh, okay. I like widgeons are one of the prettiest ducks out there. Yeah. Might be my favorite one." Yeah, actually. I do love them. I love hearing that whistle. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't really do it, but <laughs> something like that. Yeah. But uh, 
Anyway, they are always hanging out with the Reenex, and you, you know, I, I never associate uh, Widgeon as tasting bad, but what Widgeon do is they wait for the Reenex to dive down, and they come up and they basically attack them and take what if the food is exposed from their bill, they they take it away from them. That's why people call them. Robbers. I believe it. So yeah, yeah, that's the thing. When I've watched, when I've been scouting, so eating the same thing as Ringnecks, right? Well, ringnecks eat, I mean, what determines, you can kind of tell what a duck has been eating by the color of the fat. Right. So I've shot mallards in Ohio where I grew up that have like white fat. They've been pretty much only corn because there's a ton of corn. Like light pink meat tastes like really like steak, not a ounce of a swampy flavor. A lot of the mallards I shoot in Texas have a real orange fat. Oh, yeah. Which means, I mean, almost all of them do, which means they've been eating like insects and snails and frogs and invertebrates and all invertebrates and so the meat's great i mean i I won't keep the fat on um but then i'll shoot ringnecks that have a really white fat and so at least in north texas where i hunt damn it's hard to get that off of a ringneck it is hard once you once you've done it about a hundred times like i have (laughs) oh yeah you develop a process for getting that that white fat off the ringneck but in in my opinion i think at least in north texas the ringnecks eat cleaner than the mallards do yeah and and the ringnecks or they're in shallow ponds. Yeah, shallow you know, they're ponds. Not, they're, you might shoot some at a reservoir, but generally speaking, they're not like the other the mm-hmm. other diving ducks, redheads, canvasbacks that that you know hold to big water a lot of the time. With that being said, though, uh, I would take a uh, corn-fed greenhead over any ringneck any day. <laughs> Just my personal preference. We are going to do this. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Alex has got his guitar. We'll hear some brand new tunes. And mix in some more hunting conversation, I'm sure. That segment, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Land is the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. So when you're ready to take that plunge and finance your own piece of paradise, call my friends over at Lone Star Ag Credit. They've been doing this for over 100 years. Whether you're looking for a property to hunt, fish, recreate, or run cattle on, or just get the hell out of the big city, whatever the case, they've got you covered. LoneStarAgCredit.com. We'll be right back with more from Alex Bellin on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Let the bad times roll. Just let them all go. Don't like the wind blowing tumbleweeds from Odessa to El Paso. Let the bad times roll. Hi, I'm Luke Anderson, the owner of Colt Construction. I'm also a proud outdoorsman and proud to support the Lone Star Outdoor Show. With roots dating back generations of hard work in the outdoors, I take pride in serving the citizens of the Lone Star State. There are tons of so-called roofing contractors in North Texas, but having a qualified, experienced, trustworthy one to deal with is few and far between. We want to be your one-stop shop to leave it better than we found it and have a relationship that goes past just improving your home or business. We run on three main principles. Quality, because quality comes with a price. We want to do it right the first time and use the best materials. Integrity, because you want to know the true condition of your home or business. And I'm going to be honest and tell you exactly what I think. Grit, because I've swung the hammer. Bottom to top, I've done the labor. I know how the system works. We specialize in many different systems, including metal, clay tile, flat roofing, and good old shingles. You can find us at coltbuilds.com, our Facebook page, or our phone number is 817-789-7588. Colt Construction, dirty hands, clean money, your blue collar guy to call. Got a Cadillac boy and a forty-room shack boy. A bucket full of money and a tree full of honey. But if you get no hugging, no smooching. 
King, a little George Strait, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Uh, somebody sent me this picture of George back in the early 90s with a 197-inch buck he shot. Free-range buck. High fences weren't uh, really in back then. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he shot that thing down in South Texas and won the Los Cazadores Big Deer Contest with that buck. I think it was my friends over at Trophy Scan that sent that over. But uh, anyway, great tune there. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thanks for letting me ride shotgun with you today. Uh, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by First Light's Sawbuck Pant. A uh, cool thing about the Sawbuck is it's breathable yet durable. And I would say it's absolutely ideal for any type of upland situation or, or any hunt where you're going to be walking through brush that will grab you, poke you, scratch you, stick you. Essentially like South Texas, right? Uh, so if quail hunting, pheasant hunting, or spot and stalk hunting in those types of environments, well, check it out. It's the Sawbuck Pant. You can find it at firstlight.com. First Light, go further. Stay longer. And uh, now, without further ado, I want to pick it back up with our in-studio guest today, Alex Bellin, who uh, we talked a lot about our shared affinity for duck hunting, Alex. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your music though yeah for sure i want to uh i want to know how long you've been playing music first of all and then uh you know kind of get into what you have going on i know you've got one ep out prodigal star so yeah so um i've been playing guitar and just playing music in general probably for 15 years mm -hmm. uh played guitar when i was younger and loved it you know loved classic rock and you know started playing and singing had a little band in high school started really falling in love with old school country music where i grew up in ohio really just in Ohio, there's not a lot of people who really liked traditional country music, mm -hmm. except for me and my few friends who I turned on to it and we joined, made a little band. Um, and so I came to TCU to go to college and, you know, kind of fell in love with the red dirt Texas country scene. Uh, I was in college visiting my cousin who went to TCU and we went to Billy Bob's and Turnpike Troubadours were playing as like the house band on the small stage on a right. Thursday or something. <laughs> this was like eight or nine years ago. And uh, they were just, I was, I'd never seen a band like that perform. And it was, you know, I mean, it was a small stage, but it was still packed, maybe 200 people singing every word. And I was like, what? People like this kind of music? I thought it was like only me and old men who like, like good country music yeah. from Ohio, because that's kind of what it is. And so, you know, didn't do a lot with it in college, just kind of played for fun at like parties and stuff. <laughs> You know, and then my senior year, I had a good friend of mine who you actually know, Matt Jones. Oh, yeah. He has a, he's one of my best friends. And we, you know, been playing music together. We were Young Life leaders together. Um, if you know what Young Life is, at a school called Arlington Heights in Fort Worth. Yeah. And we've been playing music and jamming. And one day he was like, hey, man, uh, mark off. You got anything going on March 18th? I forget the date. Sometime the, the last semester of my senior year of college. And I'm like, no, I don't got anything. He's like, well, mark it off. I'm like, why? He's like, well, I booked us a gig. <laughs> And I'm like, okay. He's like, so better figure out a set list because we're playing, <laughs> which is one of the best things that like, because I probably wasn't going to go out there and try to book gigs, but baptism by fire, baptism by fire. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing for so long. And so he, I played, uh, I played dobro. I play steel guitar now, but at the time I played dobro on guitar. So I jammed with him. He jammed with me. It's at a place called the wow, Greenwood Saloon in Bluffdale. Oh. If you ever been there. Oh cool little place southwest of Fort Worth and so that kind of got me started I was like all right I think started writing songs around that time uh -huh. wrote a couple of songs on that EP Prodigal Star Love Dad pretty much all of them except Light My Boots mm -hmm. and then uh yeah you know did a couple things after college and eventually moved back to Fort Worth and decided 
I'm gonna start doing this, really going for this thing. So, yeah, and uh, well, I know when I was in college, just to make ends meet, I waited tables and bartended and all that stuff. After college, you actually went to work at like a Texas, uh, uh, Fort Worth, um, stalwart there, Joe T. Garcia's. Yeah, I did. So I worked at Joe T's. Uh, was a waiter and yeah. played music. Um, one of my favorite stories there, actually, the one time I almost got fired. <laughs> so there's a lot of famous people who come in to uh, to Joe T's, and if you've ever been there, the mariachi band is amazing. Oh yeah. And so I'd be, we, you know, we're friends, and like they'd take a break and we jam. Like I mean, these guys, I play like George Strait, and they'd be playing the coolest mariachi stuff over top. One day those hidden sessions will be released on the Joe T's back porch mariachi country fusion. <laughs> and so one time, one of the guys was like, "Word got around that Reba was inside." Ariba, if you're listening, you're probably not. I don't know why you would be, but right. I don't know. If, I don't remember the last time I saw Reba posing with a big white tail that she shot. Yeah, maybe she does. But uh, yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, "Yeah, Reba's inside." You know, everyone's talking about it. And then the one mariachi player comes up to me, and says, "Hey, Alex, Reba's inside from the TV show." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." He's like, "Hey, man, take my guitar. Go play her a song you wrote." I'm like, "No, I'll get fired." He's like, "Who cares, man? It'll make a great story. And what if she cuts it?" I'm like, you're right. He's like, have some, have some huevos, man. Right. So he hands me his mariachi Spanish non-string guitar. I kind of like peek around the corner, make sure that the owners are like not in the in the room. She's kind of off in the corner by herself. So I take this mariachi's guitar, walk up. I'm like, hey, Reba, my name's Alex. I'm a I'm a waiter here. I'm also a songwriter. <laughs> uh, would it bother you if I played you a song I wrote? She's like, no, hun, play your song. <laughs> She's super sweet. And so I actually played Prodigal Star because I was like, man, that's kind of a 90s. She, she dig this song. So she's just staring at me. The whole restaurant's staring at me. I like leave my, I'm, I'm a waiter outside on the patio. She's inside. So I just leave my section <laughs> singing this song for Reba. Here's my chance. <laughs> Here's my chance. I'm like, played it. And this is when I. about your margarita. Yeah, this is when I just started. So I didn't have like CDs or cards or anything. She's like, that's a great song, son. <laughs> Gave me a hug. And then uh, I got yelled at and went back to my section and. <laughs> That was that, but wow, that's awesome! Went for it with Reba. Went for it with Reba. Yeah, it's like at least it'll be a fun story, you know. Uh huh. Well, let's uh, let's do this. Why don't you play us a song? Man, I'd love to. So this song, this is uh, probably one of my favorite songs that I've been playing in the past past year or two. Um, it's not really about hunting or fishing, but if you like to hunt or fish, it has some sort of outdoors imagery that'll probably uh, mean something to you. Uh, it, uh, I always preface it when I play live. I'm like, anybody know what that point is called up in the mountains? I'll, I'll be like, you get a free poster if you get if you if you know what this is called. And I'm like, anybody like to go snowboard or elk hunt or fly fish up in the mountains, especially when it's like 110 degrees in Texas? Everyone's like, oh yeah. So I'm like, what's that point called up in the mountains where the trees stop growing and it's just snow or rock, depending on what time of the year? What's that? What's that? What's that uh, plane called? That line? I know my son will be like, oh, it's tree line. I'll be like, yeah, it's a, what's another word for that? So I'll be like, timber line. So I'll be like, all right, you get a free poster. I'll be like, so when you hear this song, I want you to picture your timber line, wherever that is, like Taos, Steamboat, Unit 9, wherever your timber line is, where that point where the trees stop growing and it's just snowing. You can, you can see it. So that's why I say picture when you hear this song. Taking up the mountain, this buckskin horse and me, first snow of autumn hanging in the air. 
I walk down to the river, fill up my old canteen. I see the trout still among the rapids. My past is catching up to me, no longer can I hide. It haunts me day and night. So I go high above the timber line. that always trail me get lost among the pines I go high above the timber line I think about my woman our little family a different world to nowhere, Texas. I left them on a Thursday when I caught her in the act. I caught my horse and loaded up the trailer. I headed for the mountains. I had no other plan. But I knew by morning light. I'd be high above the timber line High above the timber line The ghosts that always trail me Get lost among the pines I go high above the timber line I've been drifting through the western range for almost 30 years Packing mules and moving with the seasons I wonder what she told him when he got big enough to hear The words she said could only bring more questions I long ago forgave her, but I can't forgive myself it haunts me day and night So I go high above the timber line High above the timber line The ghosts that always trail me Get lost among the pines I go high above the timber line that always trail me get lost among the pines I go high above the timber line yeah that one's not on the on the EP though no that one's not um, so you got something uh in the works then yeah i do i uh we'll be recording some we're gonna start with a few singles mm -hmm. um in maybe a month month ish and then hopefully that'll turn into a full album um 
kind of got to go bit by bit right now. It yeah. <laughs> costs more money than you most people would think to probably record music. But oh yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't know if, if y'all know who Josh Weathers is, but he's an awesome Texas country soul singer, just incredible. And he's going to be producing uh, these songs. I'm actually going to be uh, recording one of the songs that he wrote that he's never released um, called Two Bottles. So if you ever heard that song at one of his shows, uh, you're going to hear a really cool old school country version of it. So, Well, let's take a listen to another one. Awesome. I've never been a huge fan of songs that are like, I love to hunt, I love to fish, I'm a backwoods boy. But uh, I'd rather just write a song that's a story that maybe has those elements that we enjoy filtering into it. But It's called Airstream. Hey girl, I got a little surprise. Trailers loaded up and ready to fly Down the FM road to my uncle's place Where I took my first deer But the season's closed So no one will be near And let the wind shake that airstream all night And I wake up to you holding me tight I love living in this city with you With our group of friends and all there is to do But the traffic and life got us moving too fast Need to slow the whole damn thing down Let's put it in gear, get out of here I'm gonna listen to a coyote howl and let the wind shake that air stream all night And I wake up to you holding me tight Holding me tight Smell the cedar and that country moon means more to me than any Dallas hotel room and let the wind shake that air stream all night let the wind shake that air stream all night let the wind shake that air stream all night and wake up to you Great new stuff there. Let's do this, Alex. Let's take a break. We'll come cool. back, talk a little more hunting, and uh, probably hear uh, an older tune or two. Yeah, sounds great. Excellent. And that segment was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy, located in Marion. Also with a shop in San Antonio, Texas, Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all my taxidermy needs for a long, long time, eight, nine years now. Uh, they will do the same for you, and they'll answer the phone when you call. Couple that with amazing wildlife artistry, and you've got a winning combination. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. We'll be right back with more from Alex Bellin on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. I wanted you to know, girl, 
For a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Are you tired of waking up at 2 a.m. to fight public land skybusters? Cable here for Three Crow Outfitters and their new North Texas Duck Club, which consists of over 3,000 acres and 40 water bodies throughout Ellis and Navarro counties. Three Crow does the planting, provides metal blinds, decoys, and posts a weekly scouting report. All you and your buddies do is reserve the property you want and show up to hunt. This opportunity is limited to 10 four-person memberships, so for the waterfowling experience of your lifetime, go to threecurl.com or call 214-641-8097 today. Having my mistakes, I swear I should have known better. Half of my mistakes were just amongst friends. Half of my mistakes, a little Radney Foster bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Uh, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well, our presenting sponsors. We're rocking and rolling here today with a special in-studio guest, a passionate waterfowler, hunter, and singer-songwriter Alex Bellin. If you don't know him, now you do, but... I have a feeling you would have found out about him anyway, as the future looks pretty bright for Alex. And we'll pick it up with that conversation momentarily. But first, this segment is proudly brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Grab a 12-pack on your way to the deer lease this fall. But remember, celebrate responsibly after the hunt's over with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Uh, Alex, man, thanks for sticking around. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. We we talked a little bit about uh, a little bit about duck hunting. I know that uh, that's your passion. Do you hunt anything else these days? Yeah, you know I I love to hunt. Period. Uh-huh. Um, I went on an elk hunt a couple of years ago, a bow elk hunt. Oh, nice. Where at? Uh, New Mexico. Yeah. Did you draw a tag or? No. So one of my roommates, uh, one of my best friends, Aaron, he grew up in New Mexico. We duck hunt together. Uh-huh. He grew up in New Mexico. Grew up elk hunting, and his family has a little property like way out there up i'm gonna in. need aaron's phone number before you leave <laughs> yeah and so he had a landowner tag uh-huh. and i had been shooting my bow bow hunting for two years or something and i mean 
he just talks about elk hunting like it's the and he loves to duck hunt. He's like, man, there is just nothing like elk hunting. Those are my two favorites. Like I got into elk hunting way later in life. Uh-huh. I've gone. I've had uh, six seasons now. But if, if I had to pick one or the other, I don't know. I just I love the dog aspect of yeah. the uh, the duck hunting. But there's nothing like being in the mountains chasing a bugling bull with a bow. So so those man, are my two favorites. Just thinking about it now, it was it was and I knew going into it that like the odds of shooting an elk with a bow on your first trip. Yeah, are not real high, and I didn't. The <laughs> odds of missing one are pretty good. I, I found yeah. out back in 2014. <laughs> or I mean, the odds of even pulling back on a on a bull elk with a bow yeah. is not super high. So, yeah. but it was amazing. I mean, it was like it was Did amazing. Did you get an elk? I didn't get one. Yeah. Um, I didn't really. We didn't see much. I did have two awesome experiences. Uh, one on the side of a you know side of a cliff, basically, and we heard a bugle, and I about just. I about lost it. And so I set up with a little shooting lane of like, I mean, it's like pretty thick timber, really thick. It sounds to me like he's like 40 yards away. My buddy's like, yeah, he's probably like 70 yards away. My buddy does a cow call and this thing just goes, and then he goes like, oh yeah. And I'm literally shaking and I'm like, I could feel like the ground roar. hair on your arm stand up. I was like, how the heck am I? And in my head, I was like, he's going to walk through the shooting lane. I'm going to pull back. It's going to be, I'm going to see that big rack. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we played the little game that, you know, is it's a game and it's it's a cat and mouse. And, you know, did a little, my my buddy did a little bit of raking. Raking yeah. and um, it was probably not a satellite bull. He was guessing it was probably a big boy and... He had cow. When we heard a bunch of cow calls around him, yeah. so we were we were near a big elk herd. Um, but at least from his perspective, he's like, man, the odds of pulling a big boy away from his cows are not real high. I mean, we tried, we did our best, and then they moved on. And mm-hmm. and then the last night we were there, similar experience. Right as the sun was going down, I mean, it's like minutes of to seconds of shooting light. Similar situation. Heard a bugle really close, maybe forty yards, but it was through thick brush. You know, couldn't see him. Really thick. And so I was like, man, that that's worth the price of admission right there. There's a lot of people who go and don't even get to interact like that. So, oh yeah, or I mean, I've gone uh, days in in New Mexico on public land, like days without hearing bugles. So, yeah, and there's people you go a whole week. Uh, actually, my buddy that I hunt with went to Colorado three years ago and hunted the Womenichi Wilderness and had Google scouted the whole thing. Yeah, you know, had picked out benches and saddles that he was like. And he had read online. It's a great area. Well, he gets there, and pine beetles had that year killed all the trees. There's no elk within miles of where, and, and they, you know, they had a, a drop camp, so they're now committed. They're eight miles in, and there's no. I mean, he spent the whole week and never even saw an elk, never heard a bugle. So, yeah, that's part of the. That's yeah. You have to learn. You know, I think when I start even duck hunting too, you you just want to kill birds or whatever, and you know. It's true. It is. You're, you're a little bloodthirsty. Like, little, you get but not like a, yeah, I mean, you enjoy the whole thing. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of non-hunters don't understand is you can, you can enjoy the experience, the outdoors, respect the animal. But at the end of the day, like I went there out there to put some meat on the table, yeah. you know? And, uh, and as I've, and I mean, when we started duck hunting, it was like, if we killed me and my buddy, Aaron, if we killed three or four ducks between the two of us, we were like, this is awesome. Right. Hunting all public land. And, uh, you know, and the, you know, and then as you go on, you get better, you start killing limits and, Start scouting more because you're like, man, I'd rather have go scouting three times for one great hunt than, you know, kind of. Sure, sure. Go but blind. I think as you evolve, like for me anyway, uh, in my evolution as a hunter, 
I don't care as much mm -hmm. about how many birds I shoot. It's the experience. It's who I'm hunting with. How's the dog performing? Mm -hmm. um, I, w I wish I could say I'm shooting great. But no, that, that would be a lie. And you get busier <laughs> in life too. You know, in college, like I, I, you know, I made my schedule so I could hunt yeah. four mornings during the week. Oh yeah. Because I didn't want to hunt publicly on the weekend. I mean, I would hunt like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you get more, you know, more busy, I'm playing a lot of shows. I'm always in cities, pretty much playing, playing music. You know, Deep Ellum, which is probably the complete opposite of, you know, the country or on some ranch or in some duck hole, just being outside, you know, I'm like, man, this is worth it to me. I may not even see a duck, but just breathing fresh air and watching the sunrise. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, so I went to, uh, I finished school at, at North Texas. Oh, cool. Denton's a pretty liberal, mm -hmm. uh, little town. And I would, like you said, schedule my classes to where I could walk into the, uh, radio TV film school in my waiters, literally, I might leave the dog in the truck or I might throw him over the fence into the backyard and then go straight to class. Don't have time to wipe the camo off my face. Or, and mm -hmm. back then, you know, I was kind of cocky and proud about Yeah, I was a, newer to hunting. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that's how I roll. Yeah. You know, today, I'd probably be a little more, especially in the world we live in with social media and all the anti-hunting uh -huh. smear campaigns out there, I might be a little more cautious about it. But back then, those people just looked at you wide-eyed and like that guy wears camo you know like <laughs> man it's it's interesting because i playing music and being what a hunter <laughs> i'm around such a my friends are such a diverse group of people from yeah. you know people who are conservative ranch owners who i hunt with to some of the most liberal musicians mm -hmm. you will ever meet in your entire life and i'm friends with both of them and i think that even, I mean, I've got friends who are vegan. You'd be surprised. I mean, there's a lot of musicians of that sort of artistic. I don't have any vegan friends. Crowd who are vegan. <laughs> I just yeah. I just have a, a diverse group of friends. Yeah. And I feel like some of the people they're like they all have respect for hunting. They're like, man, yeah, I don't. I choose not to eat meat, but if you're gonna do it, once they find out just a little bit about the why and the actual process of hunting, I mean, almost all of them have been like, yeah, I totally respect that. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I could do it, but I respect that you do it. And that's the thing. That's where I always have this internal struggle is because, like you said, you don't care if someone's vegan, right? Mm -hmm. But so many vegans care that we hunt. You know, it's just like, just live and let live, you know? Yeah, I don't know, man. I think if I took some of my most conservative friends and my most liberal vegan musician friends, and we all got together and had dinner and drank beers, we would probably get along a lot better than mm -hmm. most people would think we would, you right. know? Right, yeah. Maybe our passions are a little different. But we all kind of want the same thing, you know, mm -hmm. be happy and pursue the things that we want to do. So, well, you have a lot more faith <laughs> in them than I do. That's for sure. Um, what about, you know, you mentioned like chasing that ring neck around, trying to smack it with a paddle. Uh, any other funny hunting anecdotes that come to mind? We were hunting on a unnamed, I'm not going to name one here, the public lake we were hunting at. We were hunting at a public lake number one. Right. And we were, it was pretty, it's pretty like isolated. It's not real popular. Um, we get back to the Well, it's not Ray Roberts then, <laughs> where I used to yeah. run all the time. Because <laughs> it is popular. And uh, that's one of the reasons I don't want to say, I don't want it to become popular. But right. we get back to the boat the ramp. The first rule about Fight Club is. You don't talk about Fight Club. That's right. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, DM me, I'm, I might take you out there. But, right. <laughs> so we get back to the boat ramp. There's not normally anyone there. And there's this old timer old timer pulling out like a 70s dodge pickup pulling out like a i mean like a 60s boat i mean like this this was an old and he's wearing hip he's wearing hip boots he's not even wearing waders 
like old. He's this dude's in his seventies, and we're we're in a kayak, so we're paddling back, and uh, we get up there, and there's literally no one around, nobody. And we're like, man, is he gonna get mad that these like young timers are in his spot? So we start talking to him. He's like, we're like, hey, he's like, how do y'all do? We're like, man, we did pretty good. We shot shot a couple mallards. He's like, man. Hey, you got to be careful out here. Whenever I'm out here on this place, I got my judge right here in my pocket. And he opens up and shows shows us his, you know, the the judge, you know, the 410 or whatever. I'm oh, like, yeah. this dude might kill us. Like, he could <laughs> totally kill us right now. He kind of had this crazy look in his eye. Like, you just look at someone's eyes. We're like, he could kill us, drop us out in some backwater, and nobody would ever find us. He, you know, they'd say we drowned or something. Or he could make it look like we drowned. Because that, unfortunately, happens sometimes, duck hunting. Right. I'm going to be like, man, there, I found them. Their cock was flipped over. So we're talking. He's like, yeah, man, I keep this judge here because I'm hunting out here. I got to check my blind for cotton mouse. Got to check it for coyotes, hogs. And you got to be especially careful for them cundy mundies. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, I'm like nodding. I'm like, oh, it was in my head. We're like, what is he talking about? A cundy mundy? He's like, yeah, man, people don't think they're around here, but they're. They're like these little ring-tailed cat things that come up from Mexico. He was trying to say Catamonde. Do you know that animal? Oh, yeah. I can't really, I don't know really how you actually pronounce it. Cotamonde. Cotamonde. Right. Which I don't think there's in, in North Texas. I don't, not that I've ever heard of. <laughs> and he's trying to, he's like, yeah, man, one time I was hunting and I saw this Cundy Monday. And he, <laughs> I swear, Cundy Monday, he jumped out of a tree and tried to get me. And we're like... Yeah, have a great day. Yeah, how much acid were you on when you saw that? Yeah, <laughs> like this old timer. I mean, like wearing hip boots at the boat ramp. It's like, you boy better watch out for them Cundy Mondays. Did he shoot any ducks? I don't know. We didn't ask. Yeah, just wanted the hell out of there. <laughs> he pulled away, and as soon as he pulls away, we look at each other. We're like, what is it? <laughs> we're, we're always joking. He's like, you boys better get out my duck car. I'm going to set loose my Cundy Monday on you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you run into some interesting people at the uh, public boat ramp. But I actually, uh, one guy who, he goes to Africa with me now, mm-hmm. and uh, we still do a lot of hunting together. One of my good friends, he was he's like lazy and was running late. And I like spent the night out. It. Oh, yeah. Say it. It was we Roberts, all have the one duck hunting friend. really care. But I would spend the night there to yep. save my spot. And he rolls in like five minutes for legal. Hey, man, I was going to hunt here. I was like, yeah, well... Uh, we spent the night here, so he's like, can I just hunt with you? And I was like, oh, fine, dude, fine. And we're still really good friends to this day. That's what I normally <laughs> do. I mean, we if you hunt public land, that's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'd rather have you hunt with me than oh, 40 yards down, sky blast in, and mm-hmm. at least I can keep an eye on you if we're hunting together. Right. Yeah, I mean, that happened. This op- I told you that but this opening day this past year when we stayed up, and we got out there at like, 3 a.m., cooked breakfast. Some dude rolls up in a boat. This is this is like kind of a backwater hole. I'd scouted all week. It was really good. And some dude shows up like 15 minutes before shooting light. I shine him off. I'm like, man, you, you really think you're going to get here 15 minutes right. before shooting light on opening day? Yeah. You could just hear the cursing through the cross the water. I have been known to, on public land, bring like three extra flashlights. Yeah, I've heard that. And hang them in trees that are like 100 yards on either side of me. So it looks like three groups of hunters, mm-hmm. but it's really just us in the middle. I've heard that. I've never quite... I've done it. I, I would do it again. Yeah. But, you know? I mean, what we normally, if you got a few people, you just kind of like go out in shifts and, you know, yeah. post up. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting... 
I found that most of the time there is enough room for most people, at least where I hunt on public land. If everybody was just courteous and ethical, you know, if you're on like a, a little, you know, bay sort of slew thing and there's four or five groups, you know, somebody's going to be in the good spot. Somebody's going to be in the medium spot. Me, somebody's going to be slept there. Somebody's going to be in the not good spot <laughs> with the wind and it can change maybe the wind or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, if I'm not in the good spot and most of them are landing to somebody else's like, I'm not going to try to like sky blast or, you know, if they're working somebody's spread, I'm not going to like hammer them with hail calls or right. shoot at them. You know, I'm going to let them work. But and then let me ask you this. When you, the first season you went out and hunted public land, I bet you did hammer them with hail calls. And I bet you, I bet you did sky blast. I know I did. And then some, probably someone that I was hunting with was like, Hey man, that's not cool. And you don't know until you know. Yeah, like, you don't. You got to learn. teaching yourself mm-hmm, yeah. how to hunt. But you learn very quickly, mm-hmm. hey, would I want someone doing that to me? And of course, hell no, you don't. So back, back yeah. to what you said, if everyone is ethical and courteous, you know. But that's like, if I see someone do it now, I don't just beat them up over it. Mm-hmm. I just be like, hey, probably no one ever told you. And if someone did tell you and you're still doing it, well, then you're just a jackass. And there's no point. That's one thing I found is like everybody's armed and... You know, if someone's going to do something really, I had someone just set up literally 40 yards across from me one time. You and had your extra flashlight over there. I just should have had my <laughs> extra flashlight over there. I was by myself, too. That would have been a good call. You sick bastard hunting by yourself without a dog. I love it. <laughs> I know. And uh, although sometimes if I do that, I'll, I'll hunt out of my kayak and I just use it like a layout blind. Yeah. And so then I'll just like have my, my paddle right there so I can just paddle out and get the duck. And mm-hmm. But, uh, and you and I'm like, I don't even. I don't. This this caused me so much anger. I don't even want to go into it. I've totally like moved past it. But at the time, I oh, scouted, we're dredging up old memories. I scouted yeah. so hard, and it was you know it was like we're the only two people on this whole area. Yeah, you can go anywhere else. Yet you're choosing to go. But I've just found like if someone is gonna do that, they already don't have like they either don't know or if they do know, they don't care. Right. Right. And so and everybody's armed, and so like I'm not gonna go pick a fight. Yeah. It's just. I just like to assume that they just don't know. Yeah. I mean, if they do, then they're the they're the you know five percent of hunters that make us all look bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that gives public hunting you know a bad name. You you are still a lot younger than me. How old are you? Twenty six. So I'm thirty eight. So and I've got three kids. So the uh, my days of hunting on public land still exist. I mean, look, I got the uh, public lands permit yeah. from Texas Parks and Wildlife right here. The maps mm-hmm. booklet. So that is proof that I bought my public hand yeah. hunting permit, and I will hunt public land at least once a year. Uh, I mean, duck hunting. I mm-hmm. hunt other stuff on public land all the time, uh, but it's a young man's game. Getting it is a young like, man's game. I can't, I can't uh, go camp out at a spot anymore mm-hmm. because I come home, and it's not just oh, I'm so tired. I don't even want to clean the birds. It's my wife's like, "Hey, jerk! I've been here with the kids. You're up." And then she hands me three kids. I'm like, no, no, that's why I'm going to just show up now at my buddy's tank. And uh, we're going to throw our decoys out. And I feel I feel lazy sometimes. Like, But at the end of the day, if you have access to those spots, you know. I like them both. I've been lucky enough in the past couple of years meeting people. I've got some, you know, private tanks. And uh-huh. I mean, nothing feels better than, you know, shooting nothing. a limit on public land. Nothing better, feels better than coming back to the boat ramp. You've got your ducks hidden because you don't want anybody to see, oh, they've got a huge strap and they came from over there. But right. knowing in your head that you have just slayed them, you're coming back to the boat ramp, loading up. It feels so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's rewarding. It's a, a feeling of self-satisfaction. Mm-hmm. It's tough to beat. Um, let's do this because we are running out of time here. Cool. I do want to take a listen to... Uh, 
another song. What do you want to do for us here? I'll do Love Dad. Um, I remember this is one that you really liked. Um, it's off my first EP. And so, uh, yeah, I'll play this one. It's kind of a awesome story song. So Yeah, and, and I will say this. Um, when you sent me that EP last year, and we were trying to work out, you know, going duck hunting. Mm-hmm. The season kind of got away from us. I know we we're going to go on a hunt this year. For sure. But I really was taken aback by your storytelling ability you know in that song in uh prodigal star which is a kind of a ballad um but you, you really do have a gift with telling a story thank you man let's take a listen to it awesome it's hot as hell for texas at least for late september Seems like all I've done for three long years is sweat But you know about the weather Hell, you only live in Dallas And every Porsche that drives by I wonder if it's yours Now I sleep in the same streets That I played in as a child And only the names on the street signs haven't changed College kids walk past me With their heavy dreams and backpacks They have no idea I once was one of them And I wonder just how many If anyone at all Will end up hiding behind dumpsters Just to find a little shade And I wish that I had written you more often Nowadays I don't have much to say And I think every day about calling But to hear my voice would only make you sad I'm proud of you, I miss you, love dad I think back to the day we were still a family When the house was filled with laughter And your eyes were young and bright We'd sit there on the front porch I'd tell you all my stories How I taught the gringos how to die Off the coast of Mexico Yeah, I always heard the voices But they started to get louder I tried to drown them out, but it just threw liquor on the flames. And honestly, I don't remember much of the transition. Seems I woke up Sunday morning, and my whole world was gone. And I wish that I had written you more often. But nowadays, I don't have much to say. And I think every day about calling But to hear my voice would only make you sad And I'm proud of you I miss you, love dad Thanks. Alex, appreciate you playing that one, man. I, I do want to ask you, where did, uh, I know you told me that that isn't about your dad, so where did that 
song come from? Yeah, so that song, um, I when I went to TCU, I parked my car or my truck right behind Kroger because I didn't want to pay for a parking pass. Mm-hmm. I was walking back to my truck one time, and I'll make the story short, but I saw this. I've always kind of had a heart for people who just are kind of on the fringes of society, and this homeless-looking dude and homeless-looking girl, they're kind of sitting on the ground, and there's a fire truck parked there, and it just seems sketchy. She's kind of frantic, and as I walk past, I'm like, hey, are y'all okay? She's like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. I walk past and I'm like, man, there's just something. It just, I had a feeling. I was like, this is not right. So I walk back. I'm like, are you sure you're okay? I just felt like mm-hmm. maybe they needed an advocate or something. It just wasn't quite right. And she's like, well, actually, we're not okay. And she like launched into this whole story. And to put the short of it, they're both homeless people. This guy was struggling with some mental illness and addiction and had sort of a freak out in the Kroger. Cops come, they leave, she leaves. She's insisting on him going to JPS, like the mental health public hospital. He doesn't want to do it. They leave. So we just sit and start talking, and he tells me a story. Um, and, yeah, he was – I could just tell he was a really smart dude, and he went to TCU, graduated, had a great job, um, you know, wow. high-level dude. And you could just tell by the way he spoke. I mean, he was kind of drunk and out of it in a mm-hmm. sort of a bipolar I, – I'm guessing yeah. – uh, attack or whatever you want to call it. I'm not an expert, but just really smart and intelligent and starts asking me about my life. And we just sit there drinking water and talking. And he kind of told me his life story and just makes you think like anybody, you know, can have a fall like that. Did he have like PTSD or something from, did he serve? I don't know. He didn't say that. I I didn't really get the specifics. I mean, that's, he told me some things and I wrote me writing that song was kind of my way of like processing that Uh this can happen to anybody. Like, yeah. Mental health is, it's probably the thing that is broken mm-hmm. the most significantly in our country. Yeah. And people want to say, we have all these mass shootings and they want to take our guns away. Let's fix mental health before we worry mm-hmm. about that. Particularly for men. You know, there's not a lot of space for men to be like, yeah, I'm not okay I'm right broken. now. Yeah. It's not cool for a, a macho dude to be like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm struggling, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm broken. I'm not, I need uh-huh. something to fix me. Yeah. And then, and then turn to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, I love the tune and the now at least know the backstory on it yeah we're almost out of time here alex but uh real quick if you want to play light in my boots man love to hear that one as well give it a go as i walk back to our seats a gin and tonic and whiskey knee I don't know why we tried to stay at home The band just started a damn good song One where the backbeat is moving along It's been a while but I think we'll do alright Tonight I can't stop the world from spinning at least we're spinning on our own a Dipping around the dance floor And our problems left at home And when the sun comes in the morning I'll clock back into life But as the song ends I take you by the hand And I'm lighting my boots tonight Trail me in here tonight 
Left my mind without much of a fight As you gently scratched that monkey off my back It's been two long months since I've held you In that special way like we used to do Come on girl, I can't wait anymore Let's find that door I can't stop the world from spinning At least we're spinning on our own Dipping around the dance floor And our problems left at home And when the sun comes in the morning I'll clock back into life but as the song ends, I take you by the hand I'm lighting my boots tonight I can't stop the world from spinning at least we're spinning on our own Dipping around the dance floor And our problems left at home And when the sun comes in the morning I'll clock back into life But as the song ends I take you by the hand I'm lighting my boots tonight As the song ends I take you by the hand I'm lighting my boots tonight Yeah, buddy That's it Yeah Well, dude It has been great having you in studio uh, Really a pleasure I look forward to sharing a duck blind with you this season Yeah, man Um Folks can find you on Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. It's Alex Bellin. That's B-E-L-L-I-N. Uh, what about social media stuff? I know you're on hiatus. <laughs> A little hiatus right now. I'll still be posting. Uh -huh. I just won't have it as active. Um, but, yeah, you can check me out on Alex Bellin Music on Instagram, Alex Bellin Music on Twitter, Facebook. If you follow me there, you'll see where I'm playing. I play a lot around North Texas, playing, and if you like some of these songs, just... Got some new ones coming out pretty shortly, so... Awesome, just, uh, awesome. Yeah, and uh, you, you're on this social media hiatus, which I can't imagine doing that from like a work perspective. Yeah. Like, I have to be posting. Yeah, same with uh, me. For, for like sponsors, you mm -hmm. know, they, they buy an advertising package, they support the show, and mm -hmm. I have to live up to my end of the bargain. So, you actually have a flip phone in your pocket. I do, yeah. So, how do you, I mean, you're like really detached, so... How does one even acquire a flip phone these days? Uh, you have to, I, I don't know, buy one from a drug dealer who's using it as a burner phone. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, a burner phone. I don't know. I mean, they, there's one for sale at the Verizon store. And uh, yeah, I mean, I still like have my phone, my iPhone, so I can post. Like, I just have to choose to be intentional about posting it at home. It was more just me not wanting to be always accessible, you uh -huh. know? And I feel like... Everybody kind of lives with a blanket around their head when they have their phones ringing and social media and email. And I mean, I, I can I can do all that stuff. I go to work. I bring my computer. I bring my iPhone. I post, respond to emails, all the thing I got to do. But I don't feel like I need to be constantly one hundred percent available. Uh -huh. um, and particularly like for songwriting, like I can actually or practicing guitar or something, I can be there. Or even just eating dinner with somebody. Like there's no distraction to. 
to pull out to feel your, to feel your phone buzz and I don't think it's something forever, but just for a few months for me to just, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like there's there's definitely something there. And, and from a family perspective, as a father and a husband, like um, at dinner time when we're all eating, no phones. Mm-hmm. Kids are detached from, and we don't have the TV on unless there's a football game on that I want to watch, <laughs> uh, which I'm the dad, so I can set a double standard. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm the boss. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, my wife and I put the phones away and I've, and I've been to like places, restaurants and seen a family of six and like their kids are older than my kids. Maybe they're all 10 or older. The two parents and all four kids on some kind of mobile device. Oh yeah. I'm like, this isn't family time. Oh yeah. Like, I guarantee you, you live busy lives. We all, our, our lives are so busy mm-hmm. in America today. They went from whatever busy BS they were doing all day and now they're having family time but they're not interacting mm-hmm. as a family. Yeah. It's, it, it was sad. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. we're not, that's not going to be us. We're not doing that. So good on you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had the stones to do that as well. Um, all right, buddy. Well, hey, appreciate you dropping by. And uh, like I said, looking forward to duck hunting. Yeah. Thanks for having me for sure. It's going to yeah. be fun. Enjoy bring your dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will, I will do that. We'll bring Bell. Take care. You too, man. All right. Alex Bell and everybody. That segment, by the way, brought to you by the new Vortex Fury. Range-finding binocular, that's right. Combining two pieces of your essential gear, your rangefinder and your bino, into one, it just makes too much sense, right? You can find the Fury at VortexOptics.com. Vortex, the force of optics. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today, my friends. Gotta go, gotta get out of here. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you guys and gals for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, if you're climbing a tree, please wear that harness. Y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Cast your stone Dig your bones Tuck your tail and head for home